This is episode number 020 of the Reno Slant. Basketball is still undefeated. Football is finally playing in a bowl game. New Year's is around the corner. Let's go. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schau. It feels a little bit like we're in some kind of weird twilight zone where we keep watching the same basketball game over and over and over again because <laughs> it was another ugly but effective performance versus Akron on Saturday. So we'll share some quick thoughts on Nevada's final home non-conference game of the season. And this week's guest, an old friend. We got to know him pretty well while covering Nevada um, up in Reno my first couple years, Ben Ross. Some of you may recognize the name. He was at Colo 8 for a number of years. Now he's covering the A's in the Bay Area. Like many, he's pretty surprised about the level of success Muss is, is achieving right now in Reno because he, he was with me when we were covering Nevada games when they were winning nine games a year. <laughs> a little bit different story now. Nevada's rattled off its first 12 to start the season. So we reminisced on some of those stories covering the team uh, when it wasn't so great. And then we also did a rundown of like some of our favorite Reno bars. And then, you know, we talked some A's baseball as well. We recorded this actually about a month and a half ago because we're actually recording this Christmas Eve and it was going to be tough to get a guest this week. So we recorded this a while ago. And then we have a ton to look forward to because it's a huge upcoming week here in Reno. Nevada football finally is back. It's going to be weird almost talking about a football. It was weird like looking into it. Felt like forever <laughs> since Nevada played its last game. We won't talk about that last game, though. So Arizona Bowl kicks off on Saturday versus Arkansas State. And then Nevada Hoops plays its final non-conference game of the year back in Pac-12 at Utah on Saturday. And then the Pac opens Mountain West play next Wednesday at home against Utah State. And we won't record until after that, so we'll do a quick rundown of the Utah State Conference opener as well. We'll preview all three of those, make some picks, all the fun stuff. For slants, we're going to do Christmas breakdown, do some New Year's plans, games of the weekend, Twitter questions, in random Reno. But first, as always, we open with our iTunes five-star review of the week, and it comes from, I don't think this is the birth name, RJE102696. <laughs> The review is, this is the podcast the student section listens to while stuck in the pregame line for three hours in the cold. So being told that people listen to us in the cold in the waiting line and being compared to being the fifth chicken nugget in a Wendy's 4x4 two weeks in a row, I would say two pretty strong, pretty strong reviews uh, two weeks in a row. This is kind of a fun episode this week. Yeah, it's, it's the holidays, but this is the first time we're going to do at least the first half of the show. We're going to record it in person. So Adam and I were up here in Adam's old high school room right now in Woodland, Washington to answer everyone's question. Yes, it is raining outside right now, so very uh, par for the course, and it already feels weird re- recording in person. I, I guess what are your, what are your thoughts so far? Well, if you had to ask me when I was 17, 18, when I lived in this room, if I would be recording a Nevada sport podcast in it one day, <laughs> I probably wouldn't believe you. Probably not. And then one of the things we talked about on Twitter last week and the show last week was how much pub mix we we're going to throw down. 
um i don't know about you but i'm starting to feel like pub mix yeah you kind of hit that tipping point where you your body just starts becoming uh, composed of just pub mix so <laughs> you eventually become a pretzel and it's also a fun show so one of the things that makes this podcast unique is the fact that we got a couple brothers doing it we brought the third one in Aaron's in the house. We want to get Aaron's opinions. He knows Nevada sports better than anyone. So it's about time we finally got him on the show. Um, so Aaron, I guess grab the mic here. Put you in the hot seat. How many episodes of the Reno Slant have you listened to? Ooh, I'll be honest with you guys. I was I was solid for the first month and a half. <laughs> and then I uh, dwindled off there come finals week, I'll say. So I've, I've been slacking, but I'll get back on it. We need, we need those numbers, bro. You need to start down- and tell your friends. Tell your friends to start downloading. Hey, the podcast. I've retweeted a few things from you guys. Okay. I'm getting it out there. We need more. Yeah. We we need more from you. I'll do what I can for you guys. So we've talked about it a little bit. Aaron is a Division two college baseball player at St. Martin's. We'll jump into Nevada stuff here. We need to get a rundown here. What's the scouting report on St. Martin's baseball this year? Scouting report on St. Martin's baseball. Well, we got a first-year head coach with us, and we got about 12 pitchers, and we're pretty thin everywhere. But, you know, we're, we'll be competitive. You know, we got we got some good guys, good core guys. And so we'll go out there, and we'll see what we can do. So you got 12 pitchers? That's yeah. about normal, though, for a college roster. Uh, Yeah, we had about – 15 16 last year and so of our 12 there's about six of us who are juniors or seniors yeah. so at least we're upperclassmen heavy there this was like always one of my favorite times as a college student christmas because it's like you don't have any any finals coming up no homework coming up so how nice has it been just being at home doing nothing oh it is unbelievable <laughs> i've done nothing but sleep since i've been here and it's been fantastic <laughs> well last night we watched what's it called bird box yeah bird box so we haven't done a lot of Netflix reviews on the show yet. Bird Box, Netflix review, what were your thoughts? One word, wow. It was just <laughs> start to finish. It's scary. You know? So the whole time, I mean, Nathan, Adam, and Tara looked at me, thanks, Aaron. Thanks for making <laughs> us watch this. That's one I would definitely recommend for the people to see. Maybe not around the New Year's the holiday yeah, season. Yeah, it, it wasn't a feel-good story. It didn't make me feel no, like Christmas. Not at all. Not one you want to watch the night before Christmas Eve. <laughs> I thought the end was cool. It, it, it ended on a good note. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing was – so we've talked about that we're not scary movie fans. It was more of a thriller. But, I mean, there were definitely parts where I wasn't watching. Like, this is terrifying. I liked it better when we were watching Christmas Vacation. Give me Cousin Eddie. I need him right now. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, suspense thriller, but it was also had some characters of, like, horror. Like, there was really gruesome scenes and – I don't get Hold the mic closer to your face. I don't there we get, go. Well, I mean, we're sharing this one, so I don't. You guys need to sit next to each other, like your brothers. Actually, yeah, we're not. That's, <laughs> that's, why, that's why I moved. That's why I moved away years ago. All right, let, let's jump into some Mac and stuff, Aaron. I don't know how much of this you'll be able to join in. Uh, probably zero would be my guess. We can get you for predictions. We'll, we'll get your predictions yeah, when we not. when we move on to stuff. So. Nevada plays Akron on Saturday. They win 68-62. They moved to 12-0. They're one of five unbeatens left in all college basketball. They joined Michigan, St. John's, Virginia, and Houston. We'll, we'll get to the game. But really, I thought the biggest result, and I was – I think you picked me up from the airport. I'm like, dude, you see this? I thought the biggest result on Saturday was uh, Arizona State knocking off Kansas. Well, yeah, that was definitely the talk of Twitter and, all, and I mean, any social media was – 
everybody freaking out <laughs> especially if you're if you're in intertwined in the nevada social media that was yeah. all you were seeing it was like the win over akron yeah nice arizona state's win over kansas <gasps> let's go well it's just finally something nevada had somebody nevada played did something did something yeah kansas was unbeaten in that one now the win over arizona state looks really nice so hopefully arizona state can keep that going except for the two times they play washington this year they, they can lose those games we'll be okay with that um, but a huge, huge win for Nevada's resume. We'll see. I mean, that's going to be a quadrant one win. It looks like it's going to stay there because that's, as we talked about, probably the only ranked team Nevada's going to see this year. Um, so certainly nice that Arizona State could get it done after Nevada's win over Akron. What is something that you took away from that win, though, Nevada's? When I, well, because I didn't get to see any of it. We were at our aunt's house waiting to pick you up, so and they didn't have it on uh, ESPN3 or ESPNU or whatever, whatever channel it was. Um, but looking at the stat line, I was looking at the three-point shots. That's something we've been talking about consistently almost every week is the three-point struggles. It uh, wasn't anything crazy. They were 8 of 24, so I'm not going to say that was a great night of shooting three, but it was a lot better than what they what they have been doing. They've been hanging around the 20% line as of late. So I'm looking at that improving a little bit, but still room to go. Three-point shooting was still not great. I got to quote from Les. I'll, I'll I'm going to drop on you later here. I want to start positive, though, from this game. The biggest thing that I took away, once again, it was the same story as last week. It was the same story as a couple weeks before. Just the defense continues to carry this team as the offense has to try to figure this thing out. Um, Nevada held Akron to 62 points, and this team, despite the struggles, if they hold anyone to 62 points, they're going to win most of the time considering the talent they have, especially offensively and even de defensively now. Akron was 10 of 28 from deep, and that's what they do. We talked about last week. They're a three-point shooting team. They shoot a ton of threes, and they make a ton as a result. The percentage isn't great. So 10 of 28 is, was pretty much near their season average. But a sign that I think this team is playing really well defensively is they only gave up eight free throw attempts. Only eight. And it means you're getting in the right position. You're not playing with your hands. You're playing with your feet. And that's a testament to how sharp they just have been on that half of the court for the last month, really. Nevada was plus 12 on the free throw line in a game you win by six. And that's something they've done consistently. As the offense is kind of tr – they're struggling to get shots to go. They're getting in the free throw line. Um, so that was the one major positive I took away. Uh, what about you? Uh, it's great to see Jazz back, too. Yes. Um, yes. Yep, obviously missing him in the last game. His line, I mean, he was two of three field goal, two of three three-pointer, four of four free throw, three rebounds, three assists, one steal, played a little under 30 minutes. So now, He's the man, dude. Yeah, it's just not a whole lot of shots going on, but he was making what he took. He was obviously playing a role. You can see, just see into the way the, ga the, the game flows. The, I, the team just flows better when they have Jazz on the court. He's just, kind of, he's just kind of one of those little pieces. He's... He's not the big name. He's not Martin and Caroline, but what he does—he's becoming one. Yeah, but I'm just saying he plays kind of that little, you know, second fiddle, and his fiddle helps the team a lot. I'll be interested to see. I mean, I, t I tweeted this out after they got off to another slow start, and that was going to be one of my where I was going to go to next is the slow start again. We've been seeing this now for a month. This team is struggling out of the gate, and we thought coming home, we talked about South Dakota State. Maybe they would turn around. We thought. Okay, maybe this game, they've been home for a week now. They've had time to focus on offense because South Dakota State was a lot of defensive prep. We thought maybe this would be the game. It, it turns around from the, from the jump, and that just wasn't the case again. 
Yeah. This was their fifth straight game, trailing by seven or more. They were down 20 to 11 with 547 left, and they went on an 11 nothing run, took the lead. Going into the locker room, 68 points were a season low. I would not be surprised if we maybe see Jazz Johnson get moved into the starting lineup now. Mm-hmm. We, we've talked about we like him coming off the bench. We like the spark that he provides. But they got to mix it up. I mean, it doesn't have to be permanent, but maybe just something to give it a fresh feel. Yeah, something to incentivize maybe a starter who might lose a role to get him, you know, you want to talk – I don't know who you would swap out of there. Well, you, now you're playing small. Yeah, then you're playing um, small lineup. You, you're pulling Porter. Or Treshawn. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the guys. Yeah, but I, I do agree with that, that maybe something to spark it. doesn't need to be for the rest of the season. could just be a couple games. Yeah. So. so I mean, it just, it just it feels stale now. It's something we've seen from them for a month. Every single game, it's well, slow out of the gate. Well, I always factor is like when the games are starting. Think about where you're positioning yourself on the couch. You're on the front half of the couch, and just the way the team's been playing, the way they're starting, the way these first halves are going, I'm fully pressed up against the back of the couch because ah. it's just been, I mean, unexciting. I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah. But it gives you confidence, though, that they've been in the spot so many times, and yet they still are finding ways to mm-hmm. come back and win. Some games decidedly, the last two games have, have not been the case. You mentioned 8 of 24 from deep. They missed their first nine shots from three. They started 0 for 9. Like You, you talk about continuing trends. Yeah. Slow starts, have a tough time shooting from deep. I think that this team is going to be ultimately a team that can shoot the basketball. I think shots are going to start falling. It's probably one of those weird things right now. Yeah. Just not going. But you, you look at their last four, 27 of 111 from deep. That's not going to do it. No. <laughs> That's 24%. Caleb in his last four, 10 for 43. That's 23%. You mentioned, you mentioned Jazz Johnson, though. It was awesome having him back. 10 points, two or three from deep. They probably lose that game without him playing. Oh, yeah. You think about that. I mean, just the, the role player type of, you know, that type of situation, something, you know. I, I think he's becoming I, vital. His shooting, he's him and Caleb. Like Caleb's struggling right now. He's like the one guy that you can look to. Like, hey, we need a three ball. Yeah, exactly. Like the one guy right now. Well, that's a, that was that was gonna be my last point was Caleb hitting that dagger three pointer with less than a minute left. When I watching that, or obviously, like I said, I didn't get to watch it in real time. Was following the game cast, but when I saw the clip of that. It just reminded me of last season towards March, towards the end of the season, when that was kind of what we were seeing, you know, him just controlling the game and hitting the shots when, you know, when somebody needed to hit a, a major one in certain points of games. Just watching that highlight, it gave me flashbacks, I guess, of last year. <laughs> there was one fun mo- must quote from the most post-game presser that I needed to share. I saw it and I just made me start laughing. So we talk about the offensive struggle, especially the slow starts. Here's what Musk said post-game for those of you who did not watch the press conference, or I'm sure every outlet used this quote. But he said, It's not going to be a <laughs> it's not gonna be a fun Christmas where I'm sitting around doing nothing. Offensively, I have to help our team more. I feel like the Grinch, but it is what it is. We're regressing big time offensively, so I have to figure something out. We're just gonna we just keep getting worse. We just keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And, worse. and then we've become even more worse. So must no stranger to hyperbole, but that was a hilarious quote post game. That'll be a quote to hang in hang in your house. <laughs> Frame quote. Yeah, fa- yeah, family Christmases. We just keep getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> Where's the Tylenol? Yeah. Um. So funny from 
quote from us. He obviously did not think it was funny when he said it. This guy is not following, but I do think there's now it's we've seen it for a month. We've hoped it was going to change. It hasn't changed. It is becoming a little concerning. We've almost gone through all of non-conference. It is a little concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, it is worth mentioning, though, that despite the struggles, Ken Palm still has Nevada ranked fourth in the country in adjusted offense. And that'll work. Stick that in your pipe. Did you have? Uh, do you have any anything else? Uh, no, that's what I had for the, for the Akron game. I'll, I'll I'll finish the Akron game with this before we move on. And I kind of already hit, kind of already hit on it. It's just the fact that they played as poorly as they did offensively again, and they're still continuing to find ways to win basketball games. This is an Akron team that we know plays teams competitively. They hadn't lost a game by more than five points all year, so it was only six, but it was their biggest loss of the year in terms of of margin. And I think it's easy to get frustrated, but let's not lose sight of the fact that Nevada is 12-0 for the first time as a Division One program. They're ranked sixth in the country. They're finding ways to get it done. This team clearly still has a ton of room to grow and get better. I mean, imagine if they're playing defense this well and then they can start finding their shot and then they start averaging, you know, close to that 80, 85 point per game range where they were early in the season. And then it gets scary. And then it gets scary. And they're, they're going to have plenty of time in Mountain West to play to figure it out because it's not exactly like Mountain West has been murderer's row uh, of teams. I mean, you've got San Jose State. Might as well be playing a high school JV team. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, you, pretty equivalent. You, you can work on some things yeah. against San Jose State. Um, all right, let, let's go ahead. We'll, we'll uh, hear from Ben Ross now. It's awesome catching up with B. Ross a while ago. Went down memory lane for certain talking about uh, when he covered Nevada at Colo 8. I was at the Sparks Tribune then, obviously. He was one of my better buddies in, in Reno Sports Media, so great catching up with him, talking to A's. And uh, here's that conversation with Ben. All right, dude, we were just catching up a little bit before pushing the record bet button, but what the hell is up? It's been way too long. How have you been first? It has been way too long. I, I feel like I've gone gray since the last time we talked. This is not <laughs> acceptable. I think it's honestly been, like, since we actually touched base, it's been a year? Yeah, a year at least a year. I mean, because we've, I think we've both been out of Reno now for, I mean, I, I know I've been, I think I left Reno a couple of years ago almost. So it's it's been a while. Well, I know at one point we were talking about you maybe coming down to Vegas. We got to we gotta make that happen. Oh, we absolutely have. You know, I I think I'm going to be down there for the uh, for the baseball winter meetings next month. So we definitely have to meet up then, or at least plan yes. another trip because yes. it's an easy trip for me. It's not it's not a long flight. No, I, I didn't realize the the winter meetings are here in Vegas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that definitely needs to happen. Yeah, winter meetings. I think like December 9th in Vegas at the Mandalay. That's that's not a bad deal. Yeah, so we're gonna have, we're gonna have to touch base then. Yeah, well, the Mandalay is on the southernmost part of the Strip, and we we live literally ten minutes away. Perfect, super close. So you it's actually done. you so you actually hit on it there. That's a good segue. So you're you're covering the A's for NBC Sports. Is that what it is? NBC Sports yeah, Bay Area. It, yep, NBC Sports Bay Area in California. We're uh, we've got two channels, one website. So I guess yeah, I guess officially we're NBC Sports Bay Area. <laughs> So how's that? It's been, it, you know, it's been going really well. Um, I, I mean, I don't think any of us expected the A's to have the success that they did this past season. 
Um, I think really no one around baseball did. And the fact that they just caught fire midway through June and, and really it carried them through the whole season and, and then they make the playoffs. I mean, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. They're a fun group to cover. They're a young team. And so it's been, I mean, I, I feel really lucky that I got a chance to kind of be a part of it. And you were in New York for the playoff game, right? Yeah, I got to uh, go to Yankee Stadium first time that I was there, uh, the new ballpark. Awesome. And so, yeah, great atmosphere. Unfortunately, the A's didn't play all that well, but it was still, <laughs> uh, it was still a hell of an atmosphere there. Probably the the loudest baseball stadium I think I've been to. I was going to ask you. You kind of hit on it there. No one really saw it coming for the A's that this year. Just generally. Did you have any feeling it was coming? Because as a Seattle fan, I'll tell you that I thought the A season was stupid and I hated it. <laughs> I, I could see that, especially with, you know, with the Mariners getting off to such a good start. <laughs> and it, we all, it kind of looked like a done deal. The Mariners were going to be, you know, maybe not win the division with the Astros there, but at least get a wild card. And, and you know, like midway through the season, the A's are 11 or 12 games back. Yeah, I mean, it, it was wild. I, I think. I have to be honest, I didn't see it coming. I, I knew this team had a lot of young talent, but I just – the lack of starting pitching I saw as a problem. And, right. and that was to start the year. To start the season, they had injuries to their rotation, which was already thin, and it just kept getting worse as the year went on, and, and yet somehow they just kept winning anyway. I, it really was amazing. I mean, with their, with their lack of starting pitching, I didn't even expect them to be a 500 team, to be honest. Billy Bean, dude. He just pushes yeah. the buttons. He's a magician. <laughs> so have, have you got a chat with him at all? Yeah, I got to meet Billy and, and chat with him a few times. Uh, he, he's exactly like Brad Pitt portrays him in, <laughs> in the Moneyball movie. Just uh, a really – no, he's a, great, he's a great guy. He loves to chat about baseball and other sports. And, you know, he'll, he'll be wandering around the clubhouse in his, uh, his flip-flops, just, just a low-key guy, but – when the games come out, as far as I know, he still doesn't watch the games. Maybe he can watch regular season games, but the big ones, he still, he doesn't like to watch. He gets nervous for that, but otherwise he's a pretty easygoing guy. And yeah, it's been, it's been fun chatting baseball with him. That's surprising. Cause I you would think that, okay, you really invented Moneyball in analytics not invented it, but you were one of the first guys to it. You have, right. a, you have a movie made after you and your philosophy <laughs> Brad Pitt plays you. How do you not just have an ego that just goes bonkers at that point? Seriously. Oh, my God. If Brad Pitt ever played me, I think I would, number one, I would retire. And number two, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would just talk to any regular people. I, I would demand to only speak to movie stars at that point. <laughs> Who would play you in a movie? Oh, God. Probably, uh, probably Jerry Seinfeld. That's actually a really good one. That's what people have told me. Either either Jerry Seinfeld or maybe Adam Sandler. I don't know. One one of those guys. Those are both pretty good, actually. Just goofy, goofy, kind of annoying, but sometimes funny. <laughs> That's how I like to consider myself. What is the biggest difference between covering Nevada and covering the A's, other than more fans go to Nevada games? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say <laughs> there are there actually are some similarities in in the way that. You know, they've, they've both kind of got to deal with financial issues. I mean, I remember, yeah. you know, from covering Nevada, they, they were always towards the bottom of the Mountain West as far as their facilities and, and just the money coming in. And that's kind of how the A's are. I mean, the A's are always really ever since Billy Bean got there. That's why they've been doing Moneyball is they've been tr trying to sort of get around 
their payroll. I, I know this past season they entered the, the year with the lowest payroll in, in the league. They eventually nice. got up to, I think, like 28th uh, when they added some players at the trade deadline. But there, there are some similarities there. And, again, yeah, the fan base, I mean, you know, the one thing I'll say, Nevada fans were great, but for football – it's sort of hit and miss. I, I right. think in a town like Reno, there's a lot going on. And so you've got to be good to keep, to keep the fans coming. That's kind of how it is here. The thing with Oakland fans that I've learned quickly is it's really complicated what's happened. I mean, they, they have done a lot of damage uh, over the years to their fan base, just with some of the players they've gotten rid of some of the rumors of moving, you know, they still are trying to get a new stadium done in Oakland. And, there are a lot of fans out there, even though there's there's new management now and a new, and a new team president, that just don't trust it. And I think they're waiting to see uh, if this team is actually, number one, going to get a new stadium in Oakland, and number two, spend money uh, on their team and keep yeah. some of their star players around. So I think there's just a, a lot of – there's a lot of questions in the air for the fan base. There's just kind of a lack of trust right now. What, what do you think would be more likely? They get a new stadium in Oakland or the team moves? I think they're going to get the deal done. I mean, just okay. from being around it, they're they're working really hard. The new team president, Dave Cavill, I think knows what he's doing. Uh, he he used to run the San Jose Earthquakes, the MLS team, and right. they, they had a lot of success. Yeah, he's been extremely busy. They've been having constant meetings with the city. They've been making progress. Um, I I'm I'll say I'm cautiously optimistic they're going to get a deal done, and I think that the team will get a new stadium and stay in Oakland. Hey, potential market. Just saying. Las Vegas. Vegas. That's Hey, you guys are, you guys have turned into like the sports capital of the world. Now it's the, the <laughs> golden Knights. And now you got, you're already taking one of our teams, the the Raiders next year. Although right. I don't know if we want them anymore with how they're playing. Yeah, Go ahead geez. and t- take Gruden and his a uh, hundred million dollars and let him continue to sell off the, the good players. Yeah. I don't, like I said before we came on, I don't know when we're going to publish this. So it might be Christmas time. By the time we air this, we'll see how, yeah. how, how bad that actually gets. <laughs> yeah. It, oh man. It, it's been rough. Uh, as of now, their last game was that Thursday night game against the 49ers who are not a good team in their Jeez. own right, especially yeah. with Jimmy G hurt. And yeah, that was just Nick Mullins, whooping. Joe Montana Nick Mullins turning it <laughs> exactly turning into Joe Montana boy. The Raiders, I mean, I feel for their fans because obviously here there's still a lot of Raider fans. And mm-hmm. talk about a, a franchise that, you know, it looked like they were going to turn the corner a couple of years ago. They had Derek Carr leading them to the playoffs. They right. had Amari Cooper looking great and Crabtree. And the, I don't know. They, all of a sudden, that might be the worst franchise in, in the NFL. Congratulations, Browns. You're uh, <laughs> You're off the hook. You're off the hook for now, at least. Give them time. Yeah, for now. We'll give, give them a little give, more give time. time. So what is the feeling towards the Raiders? Is there resentment? Is there like, we're going to miss you guys? Is it, what is that dynamic like? I'd say mainly resentment. Although, I mean, you probably know as well as, as I do that, you know, Raider Nation is strong. And so right. the hardcore, the hardcore Raider fans are going to be fans no matter where they are. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen the Raiders already move between LA and Oakland a couple of times. And so their fans, I, I've got a lot of friends that are part of that hardcore Raider Nation. Yeah. And th- I mean, look, they're pissed at the team, but th- they're not going to stop being fans. It's right. just, it's who they are. But yeah, there is a lot of resentment just. Uh, from from regular people here and regular football fans, I think the the mindset is, you know what, just get out of here. What are you still doing here? Like <laughs> it, it, it's weird that they made the deal, 
you know, it became, it becomes official and then they still spend another couple of seasons in Oakland. Right. Uh, I, I understand they, they had to get the stadium done down there, but it's, it's been awkward to say the least. And yeah, now, especially with how, yeah. how, how bad they've been this year and, and, you know, getting rid of Khalil Mack, who was such a great player and, and now Amari Cooper and just selling everybody. I mean, right. I think people now are just like, all right, get, you're basically already gone. So forget it. It's, well, it's kind of interesting here. We're recording this on election night. So the first week of, or first Tuesday of, of November, but right. like se- season tickets have done well down here in Vegas, but the fe- general feeling of excitement, like the stadium is starting to go up. You can see the physical structure now. Yeah. And it's still largely kind of just like, eh, we'll see. I think. I mean, I think it's going to take it, once once they're down there and playing games. I think that's when the excitement will really get going. Yeah, and I, I agree. You know, I think it's going to work. It's going to be interesting too because you know it, this was one of the things that I think people thought would work about it was you know it's only eight home games, so you're going to have people yeah. flying in from all over that are Raider fans, and you know you make a week of it, make a weekend of it in Vegas, and. So I think it will work down there, but uh, right now the team has a lot of improving to do. We'll see if they can kind of revamp the roster by the time uh, they're playing in Vegas. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that John Gruden is already sculpting the team for 2020. Like he, exactly. He, he's shaping up for that, but like uh, you'll have L.A. that's four hours away, so you have a ton of people from L.A. Right. And, and even with Knights games, the hockey games – you go to those games, and there is a presence from the opposing fan base because the, right. they, they get to say, "Holy crap, we get to go to Vegas and party for a weekend, and go see our squad sign right. up." So it, I would, I'd probably expect that to be the case too, at least early. Yeah, have no, a lot of... I, I completely agree. Now, I, you know, I, and I've done the same thing for hockey. I've been down to a couple of nights games. Uh, I, you know, I grew up in LA, so I'm a Kings fan, and I remember a couple of friends and I got to go down there last year and. Uh, see in the regular season anyway, Kings right. and Knights. And so I, I think you're right. And man, the success that they've had has been awesome. So I think, uh, hopefully, hopefully for, uh, for your sake and for Vegas' sake, the Raiders, John <laughs> Gruden does know what he's doing. I mean, he's certainly going to have enough draft picks. So hopefully he'll be able to put his vision into motion and, you know, there'll be a, right. a better team by 2020. I'm just as excited. I mean, having an NFL franchise, it'll be the first time really I have an NFL team in the city that I'm living in, so that'd be cool. But, sure. But I'm really most excited for everything else that's going to come with it. There's probably going to be like World Cup qualifiers. There's going to be yeah. a, the Super Bowls coming here at some point, all the different events they can have there. I mean, if Vegas needed another excuse to get like go to the next level, yeah. like, like this is it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, you know, and even even a couple of years ago when we were living in Reno – Vegas has always been a good sports market. Even even before they got the Knights and, and the Raiders, there's always big events coming there. So, right. you know, what, what as you said, like World Cup qualifier type things, and there's always tournaments coming there, and there's golf and there's NASCAR. I mean, there are a lot of big-time events down there, mm-hmm. not to mention you've got some great high school sports and college sports as well. So yeah. now you add a couple of professional franchises. Yeah, I mean, Vegas has to be one of the top sports markets in the country. The, yeah, the the next thing is in March is always fun because you have the the Pac-12, the Mountain West, the West Coast That's Conference. Right. They, they got like nineteen too. tournaments down there. Yeah, so the next thing is the NCA just got to wake up and be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna give you guys a, a, at least a regional 
you think yeah. it's at some point they're the final four could be maybe oh, at the Raiders man. stadium. That would be awesome. I would love to, I think everybody would love to see that. Oh, I, I'd gosh, have to go imagine? down for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A final four in Vegas would be something. All right. You want to go down memory lane a little bit? Let's do it. All right. You, we were in Reno and I was there. I think I was there a year for a year after you left. Uh-huh. Maybe, maybe a year. We were there for some tough times. Brian Polian, yeah. David yeah. Carter. For yeah. you, for you, what sticks out from a sports standpoint? Your time covering Nevada and Reno, like like bad or good or just anything. or 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 anything? Yeah. Oh man, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, the, there were some tough times, and I mean, I know we we got there after the football team was really good when they had Kaepernick. Right. I think that was 2010 was his senior year. But we still had – I felt like we still had a lot of good stuff to cover. I mean, we, I, you especially with the basketball team after I left. But even – I was there for the uh, beginning of the Eric Musselman era for the basketball program and when it was first starting to turn around. Right. And that was a lot of fun because I, I think his first year there, they won the CBI. Yeah. And it was either his first or second year. I think it was his first. That was year one, yeah. And yeah, and you could tell there was something special happening because that, you know, that he didn't even necessarily have the players that he had in mind in, in the program yet. And already he built so much excitement. Uh, so that covering that team was a lot of fun. Um, football, man, I, you know, I, I at least got to go on some cool trips to cover the football team. I got to go down to the Rose Bowl when they played UCLA. I think that might have been, uh, what was that, 2012 or 13? I think that was 12. something like that. I think that was 12, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. I got to cover the New Mexico Bowl for that football team as well. Against Colorado State, yeah. Yeah. What a mess that was. Oh, man. Two teams from the same conference. Yeah. And then uh, – but, yeah, I mean, the, the other thing that I think you certainly under, understand is Reno's a really good high school market too. Like, mm-hmm. that, that was a lot of fun covering high school football there and basketball. But there were some really good teams. Those Reed teams – for a lot of the time we were there, were incredible with uh, Coach Ernie Howron yeah. running the, the, the air raid offense. I mean, those teams could compete with just about anybody. I mean, they, they even played Bishop Gorman tough a couple of times. So yeah, those say, teams were good. I say everyone in the state sands Gorman pretty much, but there were a couple times they gave Gorman at least a scare in the first quarter. And then the other thing they did was like I remember they'd they'd always play teams from from California. They'd play Sacramento area teams and right. Bay Area teams, and and they beat them too. I mean, those Reed teams were yeah. I I think they could beat a lot of teams from any state. Yeah. So those those teams were a lot of fun to be around and to cover. Any blooper reel or sad Nevada sports moments that stand out from your time? Because there were a few. Oh. I mean, I had plenty of personal blooper reel moments so I don't, <laughs> from when I worked at uh, Colo 8 doing, right. doing the sport. Yeah, I, I made my share of blooper reel moments. I'm trying to think uh, from from covering it. Yeah, I mean, I probably had at least one solid blooper every day. So <laughs> that's <laughs> tough actually, to really pick it out. That, that's a good segue, though, because – um, we, we, I hung out with you more than anyone else in Reno sports media. And we were there together. We hung out all the time on the weekends and run around the, the bars downtown. So yeah. if, if you had to power rank your Reno bars, Oh man, how would you let's rank if, them? Cause it, it's a couple years old. It's a couple years old now. I know I'm trying to remember. All right. So the, I, the ones that I frequented that I still remember 
Uh, I liked Our Bar a lot. That yep. was definitely high on my list. Yep. Old Bridge was another one. Yep. OBP. Um, OBP, that's right. What was the one? That, there's another one right near there on the Imperial. river. Imperial is good. But yeah. th- what's the one that's like literally on the river? Like right down, I think it's like across the street from our bar. That one was good. I always forget the name of it, but that was a good one. Um, you're not thinking of OBP? No, OBP was the one. And then I think maybe like a block away from that towards Arlington Street. It'll it'll come to me at some point. Oh, it's um oh my gosh they have they have all the games they're known for the games. Yeah, they've got games. I I can't remember either. Shoot, I'm sure everyone who who's from Reno knows the one we're talking about, so oh, it's fine. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, <laughs> I I could just push the record button, the beauty of podcasts, but I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna type into my phone here Reno bars into my phone. <laughs> It'll pop up. And see what else. While you're doing that, though, of course, I spent plenty of time at El Dorado and the, those bars. What was the <laughs> what was the one upstairs at uh, the El Dorado? I can't even remember the name of it now. There were a couple. Um, what was the – oh, there, there was Novi. There was Novi the Country Bar, which was previously Babinga. Yeah. But I got into Novi because I, I, got, I got very into country music from living in Reno. And then uh, what was the – what's the – Really popular the, one. The Rock Bar? Not the Rock. What? Oh, is, shit. I, I can't remember. They, they'd always have live music there. The one where, Bruce, the, Bruce where Brothers? the floor shakes. Bruce yes. Brothers. Yeah, that, Bruce you you're going to fall through the floor on that one. Yes. <laughs> I still can't believe that, yeah, that the floor is held up there with, with all the shaking it did. <laughs> That's true. It really did feel like it was, like, fluid. Like, this yeah. thing's going to fall out. Oh, it just felt like you were there's earthquakes every night. <laughs> I wonder what it registered on the Richter scale. But maybe that was maybe that was part of the experience. I typed in bars in Reno. It's not so you got Pie Face, so Noble Pie Parlor, Brew Brothers, uh, the Rack. That I think that's post your time. That's uh, way, no, way I was more there of, for the beginning of the You were there for the beginning of the rack. Okay. Yeah. Um R Bar, uh Public House. Flowing yeah. Tide. Flowing Tide, those were good. Yeah, and uh, Bullies were really solid sports bars. Yeah. Well, was uh, The Stick, was that was that there when you were, when you left? Yes. Was The Stick formerly something else? Yes, it was. Uh, and The Stick is the one that's like right across the street from, from Old Bridge. I'm trying to visualize Possibly. it in my head. But yeah, it's, it's the like one of the bigger sports bars, at least for downtown. Yeah. Okay. It's cool. Yeah, they, it's all coming back to me. I I definitely spent, as you as you said, we spent a lot of time wandering those yes, bars we, downtown yes, we there, man. Yes, we well, your your move was always um, when you had four beers or got to that limit, you became you became <laughs> Steve. You became Steve. Ah, uh, Steve. Steve. Yes. Steve was our buddy, but then you I went, thought you were going to say that I disappeared. Oh yeah, the old, the old Irish exit was also my move. Yeah, the get the sketch bounce. Like, yeah. where did Steve go? <laughs> it's actually like i'm in a cab dude like all right, yeah I, I was a little in the, god that's yeah that's taking it back that was before reno even had uber or lyft right i just grab a cab <laughs> so are you still running around the bars much or are you are you you mellow one out now i mean now from time to time i think it you know it's uh it's obviously a different scene but there's yeah. there's definitely a quite the bar scene here in all over the bay area i live yeah. in san francisco but i spend a lot of time at the east bay as well uh which i still have fond memories of from my time in college. I yeah. went to Cal, so I've still got some friends over there. And yeah, it's um 
You know, Reno, I definitely miss Reno sometimes, and it's such a short drive. I, I have been back to visit a couple of times, but it's mm-hmm. been a, a while, so I think I might be due for a trip uh, over the hill to Reno sometime, maybe in the coming weeks or months. I know we're getting to winter now, so it's a little it's a little right. more uh, tricky trying to plan a trip and got to avoid that crazy snow. Yeah. Don't love doing those drives, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Reno, definitely fond memories from uh, from the bar scene there. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. We really did. Yeah. Uh, you, you still follow Nevada at all? I do. Um, I mean, well, first of all, you know, how can you not follow this basketball team? Yeah. I think that's the that's the thing that I'm most jealous of is, you know, we, co- we covered the team when, when they were bad, when they were starting yeah. to get good, and then I leave. And all of a sudden, they, they're a top team. They're going to the Sweet 16, and now they're a preseason top 10 program. So, yeah, I definitely keeping an eye on them, and I'm expecting big things. And, yeah, I, I definitely like to keep track of all the markets I've worked in previously because, you know, I spent four years there. So I feel like it's definitely uh, a part <laughs> of who I am at this point. Yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, we've been doing, obviously, talking a ton of Nevada on, on this podcast, but just – to fathom the, the season starts tonight. This is obviously going to come out after, and we don't know how far along in the season. And hopefully, right. by the time this comes out, things have shaped out the way we thought it was going to be. The way they should, the yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they they are as good as uh, people expect them to be. But it's just bananas, dude. I mean, we we were there when four thousand people were going to Nevada games, and, and now they're yeah. starting the season ranked seventh in the country, legit Final Four aspirations. People may pick yeah. up the national title. Just what in the yeah. hell is happening? <laughs> Yeah, it's incredible. And as we said, Eric Musselman, Eric Musselman has done an unbelievable job. I mean, he comes in, you know, they, they, they were good when they were in the whack, but they struggled to take that next step when they moved to the Mountain West. Right. And he comes in and within a couple of years has them as, you know, uh, not just one of the best teams in the conference, but going to the Sweet 16 and just a, a national program once again. This is, uh, Pretty incredible what he's done, and as you said, yeah, they're they're a trendy Final Four pick this season, and I think rightfully so with all the talent they're bringing back. Crazy. So I got a couple more questions, and then we'll get out of here. But what does a what does a baseball reporter do now in the winter? Man, you know, I thought I'd have more free time to be honest, <laughs> but it, it's still pretty. I'll tell you, it's pretty busy as as I'm sure you know, and you follow as a Mariners fan or whatever. I mean. You know, now it's hot stove season. You yep. got all the free free agency going on. You got the GM meetings uh, this week in in Carlsbad, which I did not go to, but just kind of following from afar. And yeah, I mean, when, I mean the A's specifically. There's so many questions about what they're going to do with their roster next year. They've got eight free agents. They've got like 15 guys that are uh, eligible for arbitration. And so, I, I mean, that comes a little bit down the road. But yeah, right now, really focusing on on free agency and what's going to come. And then aside from that, I, I, you know, I do a little bit of other work there at NBC. I mean, I kind of, I kind of fill lots of roles for them. So I I fill in on other sports as well. I do some producing, I do some social media. Uh, I've been pushing to, to fill in 
at Warriors games. That hasn't worked out for me quite yet. <laughs> they, they've offered me the Sacramento Kings instead. So oh, that's that's worse. Working that's my worse. way up to I'll tell, I'll, I'll the Kings. They're looking pretty good though. Yeah. Here on November sixth, they've been a I surprise. Say, as of November sixth, <laughs> look at those Kings. I'm sure when this comes out, they're going to be back in last place. But no, they've got some good young guys. Man, De'Aaron Fox is a stud, and Buddy Heald starting to. To, I think it was Bill Simmons that tweeted kind of as, as a backhanded compliment, but you know, you, you draft in the top 10 for enough years, sooner or later, you're going to kind of luck into a good team and maybe that's what they're doing. That was also uttered on episode, what are we going to be? Episode 12 of the Reno Slant. I was talking about that. I'm like, how many years in a row do you need to pick in the top five? There you go. That, that's what the Browns are effectively doing. I mean, how many number exactly. one picks you got on that team? <laughs> like, you got to <laughs> exactly. win some games sooner. eventually. Sooner or later, you would think that that talent just has to produce something, right? Yeah. yeah. So long term, I mean, what, what are you thinking? You you want to stay there in San Fran, or do you want to end up paying a million dollars for a month of rent? I mean, what do you want? Oh to do? my gosh! You know, I and yeah, that's what I tell people. I love the Bay Area. As I said, I went to school at Cal. I'm from LA originally. Went to school at Cal. Always loved Northern California. I just I wish it wasn't so ridiculously <laughs> expensive. I mean, you're not kidding. The the rent is just brutal. I, I'm hoping that I do stay here long-term. If I okay. do, I probably won't live in San Francisco the way I'm doing right now. Right. Uh, but the problem is, yeah, there's, there's not really anywhere you can go that's cheap around here. I mean, I guess I could move up to like, uh, I don't know, the farther you go out of the city, it gets more reasonable, but no, I, look, I love what I'm doing. I don't, I don't know long-term. You, you really never know in this industry what's right. going to happen long-term. Cause right. I think companies plans change. And, you know, I think, at NBC that we're still trying to figure out what the future of sports broadcasting is and, yeah. and all of that. And so there's, there's definitely some questions, but I think I'm optimistic that the A's have, have so much young talent that hopefully they will be a good team for the next several yeah. years, which will require uh, my presence covering them. <laughs> At least that's what I, that's the, the pitch <laughs> I'm making to my bosses is, Hey, we got to cover these guys because in the Bay Area, the Giants are king when it comes to baseball, yeah. and, and it's not even close. I mean, the Giants are a right. much bigger story than the A's are. So. But, again, winning cures a lot of that, and so hopefully the A's continue to build on what they did, and if they can be a perennial playoff team, maybe they uh, get back some of the fan base that, that has sort of gone yeah. away from them. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, if, if things go south with the A's and the stadium deal ends up collapsing, I can tell you yeah. there is a city on the West Coast, an emerging sports market, up yeah. and coming, that's going to need some talent. Just saying. Oh, man. Boy, I can't tell. When I was when I was in Reno, I can't tell you how many times I applied for jobs in, in Vegas just to get shot down. So maybe maybe <laughs> now it'll work out. Maybe I'll end up in Vegas one of these days. <laughs> Now we're talking. You can come come move in with us. Come help us pay rent. I was gonna say, can I? Yeah, can I just like live on your couch or something? That that works for me. <laughs> well, we're using we're in a three bedroom spot, and the we we use one extra bedroom for the guest room, and the third bedroom is my podcast oh, studio. So oh, we, we man, got a you spot. Are living, you are living in luxury. I'm just gonna camp out in the, in the <laughs> podcast studio. It's gonna be perfect. Well, why don't you start a podcast, dude? You can you can talk. Uh, that's questionable. Sometimes I can talk, but yeah, no, that actually that's something we've thought about. Um. And that's another thing that I've pitched. I'm hoping that we get an A's podcast going uh, for next season because awesome. that is something that we've done in the past. And so, yeah, now that I've been around the team a little bit, I think I could, you know, convince a few of the players to come on and and uh, BS with me for a yeah, few dude. minutes here and there. So stay tuned. There we go. 
if I get the podcast, if I do get a podcast going, I will certainly have you on as well. Absolutely. That's how this goes. Sweet. <laughs> All right, dude. Uh, I'll get you out of here on a couple more questions real quick. Uh, you, sure. said you, you said you're helping out in a few different departments there for, for NBC in the Bay Area. They don't yeah. watch you when you're doing uh, any election night stuff? Oh, well. Because usually the, that's all know, hands on deck. I was going to say, so the good thing is I the, the station that I work for is just a regional sports network, 100% sports. So oh, okay. we were, were formerly CSN Bay Area or Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area. They rebranded as NBC Sports Bay Area. So we're not like the – you know, your basic cable, okay. uh, NBC, we're the regional sports network that airs all the, you know, the local games, the sure. A's giants warriors. So that, that is one of the benefits of working at a sports station is yeah. So my, I, I can't remember how many times in previous markets, Reno, and even before that, yeah. When, when big news comes, not just election, but anything, right. they, the first thing to go is sports. Sports. Yep. They look at sports like it's the most worthless part of their pro- <laughs> programming. And there's, you know what? No, you're going to go out and you're going to pull cable for our election coverage. <laughs> got to be a yep. team player. Yep. So you, you have to just tweet a picture of pizza tonight and, and play your part there. I think that's the oblig- obligatory journalism exactly. Night thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That You know, the, not to get off on a tangent, but another thing that was annoying was I feel like on election night, these news reporters experience what sports reporters experience every Dude, day. They're yes. like, oh, we're here all night. Well, thank God they got us pizza. We've been working till two in the morning. Like, welcome to yeah. our world every day. And we don't get pizza. Literally. That's but such, I'm not, such but a I'm good not point. bitter at all. We won't be sour grapes. That's so true. <laughs> I mean, because the game ends and everyone gets to go home. Yeah, except go home. For Ex- us. Except for us. That that's literally is when it's starting. Yep, okay. exactly. Now we either need to start editing, we need to go post game press conference. Now we need to start writing. Like exactly. that, that, that's when it would start. And again, we can't complain about it because at the end of the day, when you're when you're getting to cover sports for a job, it, it, it's yeah. pretty sweet. But yeah, you're right. I mean, <laughs> it, it's not all fun and games, as you said. There's some late nights because those games, you know, the game ends late, and so right. people go home late or maybe go out for a drink. But as you said, that's when our night starts. So yeah. What, Boy, uh, on, on a good night, you're out of there at like one in the morning. Yeah. Wait, what's your What's your worst story? Latest you've had to be. Be in. Oh, oh man, there have been some. Uh, boy, there have been some long. I mean, that's the one thing with covering baseball that's dangerous. Yes. <laughs> there are games that go very light. I was fortunate <laughs> this year. The A's didn't play anything. Te- they played a couple of like thirteen or fourteen inning games, but they weren't painfully long. Like none of those eighteen inning marathons. Like. What was it in game, game three of the World Series? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Those are the nightmares when you're the I remember uh I think it was the year before last, the Giants played one of those games and it went till about two thirty or three in the morning yeah. and and we all had to stick around and you know, because we produced the, the post game show. Right. Who knows who's watching a post game show at three in the morning, but you <laughs> hey, for for those drunk people getting home from the bar, we are there for you. <laughs> yeah, I uh... I mean, when I was at the at the Trib covering high school stuff on Friday nights, I mean, I was the only guy. So trying to track down coaches, I mean, it was pretty much every Friday night. It was 2.30 or 3, I'd be finishing. Oh, man. And oh, that's rough. I, I, I don't miss that at all. <laughs> not <laughs> I even. I can't blame you. Not even a little bit. I all can't right. blame you. All right, dude. Awesome catching up with you. Um, yes. I'm happy for you. Everything's working out in Bay Area. I, it sounds like you kind of found your niche there. I hate your squads, though. <laughs> no, no, I know. That'll never say. change. 
That's all right. That's yeah, you, all right. you need to apologize, by the way. Your Bears beat my dogs the other week. Oh, Jeez. yeah, that's right. I can't I can't even believe that. We and then we we went this past week and had a shot to beat Washington yeah. State and kind of kind of wet the bed at the end. Our, I'll tell you something about Cal this year. The, the defense is good. The, we have zero offense, but our defense will keep us in games. Yeah, total role reversal. I know. For you it, guys. It's crazy how that flipped in like two years since uh, since Sonny Dykes was the coach. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, like I said, awesome catching up with you. Yeah. Um, you need to start the podcast so I can come on your podcast. I was going to say, you're going you're gonna to be the first guest <laughs> if I get one going. Now, now we're talking. All right, let's get you on again soon. Yep. Let's do it anytime, man. Okay, so for the first time in about three years, it feels like, we're going to talk some Nevada football. Finally. The... Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl of Phoenix or whatever the bowl name actually is. Sugar Bowl. <laughs> sugar Bowl. Um, yeah, I like that. The Sugar Bowl, the real Sugar Bowl, kicks off Saturday. Nevada and Arkansas State, the nation is pumped for this one. Kick at 10.15 a.m. on CBS Sports. This is Nevada's first bowl game since 2015 when it beat Colorado State in the same bowl game. This will be the first bowl with Jay Norvell calling the shots. This is Arkansas State's eighth consecutive bowl, so they've been in the postseason a lot. Aaron, how excited are you for the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl between Nevada and Arkansas State? Man, am I pumped to be up at 10-15 for that kickoff. Good <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, 10-15. So that is probably early in your world. Do you know who you picked? Uh, I had to go to Nevada. had to. can't say I got a lot of confidence on them, but I went Nevada. Okay, there you go. Speaking to the audience. That's podcast one one right there. That's big time. Oh yeah, got to. I know the fan base. <laughs> I know what we got here. All right, um, Adam. When you were when you were looking around, what's something that we need to know about the Red Wolves, who are eight and four out of the fun belt? Out of the fun belt, um, I was looking at their previous kind of bowl interactions. Uh, you mentioned that they've been consecutive, consistently uh, making appearances. Their last bowl victory was in 2016 over National Powerhouse Central Florida. Mm. So there's another argument against them getting to the playoffs. You well, that was that's a, that's a trivia thing. That was UCF's last loss. That was their last. They haven't, they haven't lost since. Oh that, wow, since I, didn't, that I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you're losing to Arkansas State three years ago. In my mind, you're not. You're not making. You're not <laughs> yeah, making. What you do play. three years later? You're not making the playoffs. Invalid. <laughs> that doesn't count. Yeah. So other than that, they lost that game. Um, but the other factor in going to is uh, other than um, holy crap, I am all twisted on my words right now. But yeah, I was gonna factor. He's not it. even wearing a sweater vest. Not even wearing a sweater vest today. But yeah, so they're uh, going back to my bowl records. What I was talking about in their last eight, they're three and five. So I'm gonna say keep the trend going. Let's get them to three and six. Nevada has not been a good bowl team at all either, and that kind of plays into. The fact that both of these teams have so many similarities. We talked about this way back when we found out Nevada was playing Arkansas State in the real Sugar Bowl. Um, you look at some of the stats, they're almost identical. Points per game, Arkansas State 32, Nevada 32. Total offense, Arkansas State 466, Nevada 442. Passing average, Arkansas State 283, Nevada 285. Time of possession, Arkansas State 30 minutes 10 seconds, Nevada 29 minutes 9 seconds. Sacks four, Arkansas State thirty-two, Nevada thirty-two. This is both teams six or both programs sixteenth total bowl appearance. So they've been in the same amount of bowls. Nevada is five and ten 
in its previous 15. Arkansas State is 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and one. So they got a tie in there. Um, Nevada's lost 7-9. of nine. Arkansas State's lost 5-8. of eight, So neither of them have been very good in bowls. Some of the biggest differences, third down offense, Arkansas State has an advantage 43-34%. to 34%. Rushing defense, Arkansas State gives up 200 yards to compared to Nevada's 135. Passing defense, Arkansas State gives up 175 compared to Nevada's 243. And turnover margin, Arkansas State this year is plus 5. Nevada is minus 7. So there are definitely some some differences, as you would expect at this point in the season, but this, these two teams have a ton in common. That was, one, that was one of the things that certainly jumps out to me in this game. Yeah, the other the one thing I thought, too, when I was looking at their record, you know, 8-4, and four, not super impressive, but their last four games, they have just been rolling. So I'm not exactly sure what they're clicking on if they got the stud quarterback, that, and that's who I was going to talk about next. But their last four games, they beat Southern Alabama 38-14. They beat Coastal Carolina 44-16. They beat UL Monroe 31-17. And they beat Texas State thirty-three to seven. So those are all two two touchdown games. Um, so I'll be it'll be interesting. Obviously, with the bowl games, you're not playing conference. It's going to be totally different. You know, right. you have you don't yeah you know you have plenty of time to study on these guys, but you're not playing them every year. So the team's hot right now. We'll see if they are able to continue it. You mentioned their stud quarterback. That's where I was going to go next. Actually, mm. they have two studs on both sides of the ball. They have senior quarterback Justice Hansen. That's another similarity. They have a, a senior quarterback in Justin Hansen with Tyke Angie, obviously, for Nevada. They also have a senior defensive end, Ronheen Bingham. Bingham? Hansen was the Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year. Bingham was the Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year. Hansen is three touchdowns away for 100 for his career. Um, here's a fun fact about him. In the media guide, Arkansas State's media guide, mm-hmm. he's named 308 times. So they love him. They love them some Justin Hansen. He's been there forever. Been really good, obviously. I mean, he's taken to a bowl game every year that he's been there. He'll run the ball a little bit, especially at the goal line. Definitely more of an fact- effective passer, though. Committing 67% of passes, 27-6 to 6 touchdown interception ratio, almost 270 yards per game. He ran the ball 121 times this year and scored six touchdowns on the ground. That was second on the team. Mm-hmm. Bingham, this is kind of wild, nine sacks this year. That's effective. That's pretty good. That's tied for 19th in all of college football. He has 18 and a half tackles for a loss. That's tied for 11th in all of college football. Somehow no forced fumbles, though. You feel like if you're in the mix. How like do you have that, nine you, sacks, 19 feel- tackles for a loss, zero forced fumbles? And it's not like every single time the quarterback's getting hit clean. I mean, he, if you're sacking the quarterback, he's getting thrown around. That ball is not always tucked in there. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah, I was, I was surprised when I saw that. So that was one of the things that jumped out at me is they, these, this team has a couple senior studs on, on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, I was just going to talk about Justin Hansen as well. His last thing, <laughs> I was kind of looking through his numbers, and I feel I don't know who their backup is because you know, I'm not caring enough about Arkansas State backup quarterbacks. But I feel bad for the guy who's got to follow him <laughs> next year when he leaves, because <laughs> he's enter this game. Uh, he's gonna be second in program history for total offense, pass completions, passing yards. He's got the school record for 83 touchdowns. Like he's, he's one of those guys that comes through and basically, I mean, he's in second here, but he's setting all these records or up near the top of it. And now it's, 
who I mean, he's the I, man. I'm not sure who their backup is, but I'm gonna guess that he's not gonna be putting up these kind of numbers. Maybe you didn't you didn't dig into Arkansas State's depth chart and see who the quarterback two was and see what they did in the past and put together a yeah, comprehensive exactly. scouting report exactly. for the Reno State. Yeah, exactly. And I was I was looking at their future non-conference. I was seeing <laughs> where they're playing. I was factoring, you know, three years in the future if this guy's starting every game, how many numbers he putting up? But yeah. <laughs> so back up, back up. I'm thinking about you. <laughs> Ooh, strong transition. We'll get to favorite player on the other roster here. My last one was Arkansas State is just really strong on both lines, offensive line and defensive line strengths of, of this program. Offensively, basically they started the same five guys all season. They only gave up 21 sacks, and they averaged 200 rushing yards per game. So both of those are really strong numbers. Defensively, we know at Bingham, he's a stud. But collectively, the team has 91 tackles for loss and 32 sacks. And, of course – true to these these two teams that's almost identical to what nevada has this year and we know the defensive line has been an absolute strength for this team this year been a complete unit unit okay who's your favorite player on the other roster well i i was excited because we're going back to football so now we're getting those weird body sizes yeah (laughs) that's how it's going so this guy is huge andre harris jr he is six five three hundred and forty two pounds big boy freshman ol and he's a freshman? Freshman. Jeez. So I don't even – I feel sorry for anybody who lined up against that guy in high school. Oh, my god! Because he obviously – he didn't put on 60 pounds over that summer. Um, but, yeah, not a whole lot about him, obviously. He didn't play a ton. He's a two-star recruit. I mean, he was recruited by a couple schools, Iowa State, Kansas. Don't know why he didn't go there. K-State, Mississippi State, and TCU. So He got some looks. Yeah, got a couple looks. So Andre Harris, that was my guy. Just a big Beast. Dude. Beast. I went with a former player, Booker Mays. Does it sound familiar to you? Sounds a little familiar. Rings a bell. I'll be curious if either of you, either of you remember this play. Booker Mays was a 5'11 wide receiver. He graduated a couple years ago. He became a viral video sensation in 2014 when Arkansas State played Miami. They had the weirdest fake punt of all time. Remember the play where they do the fake punt and the guy just stands there and falls backward? On his own. Oh yeah, he yeah. I forgot about that. That was Arkansas State, and that was Booker Mays. The weirdest thing of all time. What was the? I can't remember. What was the? Was it just like a distraction? It was trying to be. A distra- they called the fainting goat yeah. play. They called it. And even funnier. So when I was clicking around, I looked into this. The funniest thing was what actually happened on that. What actually happens on the play? Do you remember? Lose yardage or something. No. Fumble the ball. So you guys got to work on this, Aaron. If you don't have the mic in front of your face, we can't hear you. No, I don't remember the play. Thank you for <laughs> clarifying. He, the, So the idea was to distract the defense. They snap the ball straight to the punter. The punter is supposed to make a pass. The punter gets snapped, throws a pass, throws a pick, and then, then Mays is like laying on the ground and realizes, oh, my God, i got to try to tackle someone now, and gets lit up <laughs> almost immediately after. So it worked, so, worked out nicely. <laughs> worked out well for him. One of the, one of the worst trick plays ever. And uh, they ultimately lost that game, forty to twenty-one, to Miami. But yeah, when I when I realized that, I said, "Okay, Booker Mays, not even on the roster anymore, but he, he gets my vote." That's why it's the fun belt. Mm. Mm. All right, Nevada, as we mentioned, historically has not been good in bowls. What's something Nevada's got to do to to pull this one out on Saturday? Well, first off, everybody has it. They got to get they got to get the sour taste out of their mouth. We don't want to talk about it, but as soon as Nathan said we're not going to t- mention it, I was like, that's the first thing I'm mentioning <laughs> is the UNLV loss. Um, we've gone de- in deep th- deep enough into it. It was a horrible loss, um, 
but let's wash it. We got a chance to kind of recover, end the season on a good note, obviously. So I say just take advantage of it. You got a bunch of seniors who, you know, let's get to the eight wins. Going back on it, I was thinking too, you hear about a lot of other people talking about, especially after that UNLV loss, that this season's now a disappointment in some regard. Yeah. And I'm still going to go hard on it that I do not agree with that. You're turning it, you know, last year's three wins, this year's eight. So I'm going to say um, wash it, flush the conference end, and let's go. I think it's been long enough now that a lot of players have probably moved on from it. I certainly hope that's the case. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, how that's, long ago does that feel? That feels like forever ago. That feels like a long time ago, but in regard, I mean, that's gonna that's gonna be with them forever. Yeah, <laughs> is that long? So, but yeah, you 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 can wash wash that down a little bit if you can end the season with a bowl win. the The biggest thing for me, I think, in this game is, or one of the biggest, is hang on to the football. I talked about one of the differences is Arkansas State's pretty good at forcing turnovers. Uh, that's not been a strength for Nevada. At least they've well they've turned the ball over more than they've forced turnovers. Um, where's the stat here? Arkansas State plus five, Nevada minus seven. So that's a 12 turnover Swing. disparity between the two. Turnovers killed Nevada that last game, last time out. We don't need, again, we don't need to resurface that. We've already put that in a casket and buried it 20 feet below the ground, never yep. to be seen again. Never bring it up again. And it's Ty Ganji's last game. I, I just really want to see from him being smart with the football. Arkansas State gets after the quarterback. Um, not trying to force too many things. These teams are very similar in a lot of ways, and when you, that happens, games can flip on a couple big plays or a couple a silly turnover here or there. So I think turnovers is going to be really important, at least for Nevada in this one. Got to hang on to the football. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to go. Ty was my next point. Was kind of get him going, get him going early, because I don't know. I mean, now this game feels like forever ago, but for everybody watching that Colorado State game when we just lit it up in Reno and he was playing super well, throwing the ball over the place, we were just that feels like forever ago. Colorado, yeah, that was that was one of the most entertaining games. But following that, his last two games, San Jose State and UNLV, um, obviously weren't the best games for him stats wise. He had a couple throws I remember that were didn't really know where. What do we got, Ty? Yeah, where the heck is that ball going? I don't know even who that was targeted to. But you know, he had four picks in the last two games and leading up to that against Colorado State and um, I'm trying to remember who that before they played against. Before against, Colorado State. Yeah, before Colorado State. Was that San Diego State? Might have been – yeah, I think it was. But those games, you look at it and, you know, maybe had a pick here and there but was throwing a lot of touchdowns and, you know, four picks in two games, especially when one of those games is against San Jose State and then the other is your in-state rival. That's not what you'd like to see at all. So get Ty going early. I want to see them – it's funny, I got something almost the exact opposite here. Having Ty going would be nice, but they got to run the football. Totawa. That's what I'm saying. He he rolled his ankle against San Jose State. He clearly wasn't 100% against UNLV. They went to Kelton more largely throughout that game. Arkansas State is a team that has allowed teams to run the ball, giving up over 200 rushing yards per game. Totawa, I mentioned that hopefully he's 100% now. And if you can run the ball, you can kind of neutralize their strong pass rush with Ron Bingham. I, I want to see Totawa get going. I want to see them run the ball and maybe not force Ty to have to throw the ball 45 times to win this game. That'd be nice. Make it easy. All right, was there anything else? I said, yep, this was two. The last one, this is the first game since the transfers, since McLean Mannix transferred. Now it it was announced he's going to – he said he's transferring to Texas Tech. Nephi Sewell announced that he was going to BYU. So I thought McLean did a good job of quieting the Twitter hate, I think because he was – 
his thing with his mom and being a burn victim. He's like, I want to be closer to home. Transfer to Texas Tech. Okay, that makes sense. Nephi Sewell, a lot of people not buying it. He's going to Oregon. He's going to follow his brother. He announced he's going to BYU. So I think that validates his story a little bit that he, that he was homesick. Yeah. Um, but first first time out for, for Nevada since losing those two guys, it's going to hurt for both. I really want to see who can step up at the wide receiver position for Nevada in this game, whether it's going to be uh, whether it's going to be Bolo, whether it's going to be Romeo Dubs, Elijah Cooks, Caleb Fossum. Someone's going to have to make some plays and try to replace that production because he was the deep threat guy. He was one of the most consistent receivers on this roster who can maybe take advantage of the opportunity. They've had a month now to try yeah. to work into that spot. Who, who can be the one who steps up? Well, it's a good point. If uh, somebody's gonna, Somebody after this game has the opportunity to give themselves an edge going into camp next year. Sure. So. Sure. And maybe it's not one of those guys. Maybe maybe someone else steps up. That's one of the things with Bulls games. You've had some guys who got another month of reps. Maybe someone's starting to feel more confident. We'll see. Okay, what, what do you got for prediction? 31-27 Nevada. They're going to pull it out. Late touchdown. I have a f- I'm going to tell you right now. So if this happens, it's going to be bonkers. But my feeling <laughs> is that they're going to be trailing 27-24. They're going to get a late touchdown and then win the game. Ty Ganji's last shining moment. Exactly. That'd be pretty sweet. Aaron? You already said you're picking Nevada. Got Nevada. Ah, that's why here. I'll go 24-21 Nevada. Last second field goal for the win. Ooh, that's what I got. Yeah. Oh okay, yeah. Okay, so, so you both got some drama. Some bull madness. You can go with a coin flip, basically, on these two. I mentioned how um, similar both of them are in a, in a lot of different stats. ESPN's matchup predictor FPI has gives Nevada a 51.5 percent chance of winning it. So I mean, it base really is. A coin flip can go one way or another. You consider what Nevada has gone through this last month, whether it's the UNLV loss, whether it's the Nephi Sewell transfer, whether it's the McLean Mannix transfer. I mean, that, that that's a tough month. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that can kind of take your mind away from it is when, knowing that you have a game coming up and you're prepping for a game. Well, they haven't really had that the last month. They've kind of just had to sit there and think about it and try to hit each other in practice. So, that's a tougher month than I think a lot of people realize. This will be a real test of this team's mental strength. How much are they really able to get up for, mm-hmm. we call it the Sugar Bowl, but it's the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl. I mean, it's not a huge bowl. You're not playing up any of the big boys. You're playing yeah. Arkansas State. Granted, you won three games last year, so anything is a step up. But it's going to be, for me, a real test of, of this team's mental fortitude, it's especially the time of year. After Christmas, between new, uh, before New Year, mm-hmm. just totally out of routine. I wouldn't be surprised me if we do see some weird things happening in this game. Cause yeah. It's hard to get mentally locked in for this. I'm going to be a downer, though. I'm going to say Arkansas State, Arkansas State wins it close. I'm going to say 32-30. Fold up shop, we're done. <laughs> I would love to be wrong. I would lo- I'd love to be wrong. And before we... Uh, we're gonna take a break here, and then we'll record the rest of it tomorrow when I'm back in Vegas and Adams. Oh, do we want to talk about? We want to talk about the betting. Oh, we, oh, let's do the betting angle. Yeah, we got we so, got we got spreads. We're so live. let's do. Yeah, I'm so used to not talking about spreads now. That, see, it's been so long since we talked football. Um, I will say this real quick. Shout out to the Reno Slant Bowl Mania group. Um, I don't. There's not gonna be any games between now and when we when we um post when we when the Release. podcast is published. There it is. Uh, in first place is our father, which is just terrible. He he's in the ninety nine point eight percentile. Yeah, I know he's that's well, um, <laughs> that's nuts. I don't know how he does it. 
So he, he's winning the group. I think he's also winning the fans of Nevada group, and that has like 50 people in it. I know he said he's up there on that list too. Austin's in second place. So Dad has 345 points. Austin has 217. I have 214 in third place. Where are you guys at? Adam, you're in 17th place. Keep scrolling. The 73. The best shout. Why, why is the best shout in last place? How does yeah, that I happen? I can't explain myself on that one. It's early. It's early. <laughs> the best shout is in four, or in 22nd place with 49 points. you it's got a long way to go. It's not like golf, Aaron. You want points in this. That's striking distance, baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, someone needs to find a way to knock off my dad. Full disclaimer, if my dad, if our dad does win, he's not getting the $25 gift card to the stick. I'll give it to someone in Reno because he won't ever get to use that thing. Yeah, fair that's enough. fair. Fair enough. All right, betting angle. What do we got for Saturday? So as of right now, the spread is sitting at, even though Nevada has a 51% chance to win, which is pretty pretty advantaged, um, they are plus one and a half. Over-under is 57 and a half. And looking at some of the, um, uh, some of the notes I was looking at on my covers website, they are not too friendly to the over, which we like to bet. So I'm just going to hammer you all with a bunch of under under facts. The, yep, the fun stuff. The under is 4-0 in the Wolfpack last four after accumulating more than 450 total yards in their previous game. Under is 4-0 in the Wolfpack last four after allowing more than 200 yards rushing in the previous game. Wolfpack is 7-1 against the spread in their last eight after allowing more than 200 yards rushing in their previous game. The unders four and zero in the Red Wolves last four overall, and the unders eight and one in the Red Wolves last nine, following a straight up win of more than twenty points. That's a lot of under. So, the odds say take the under. Will we? No. Facts. Hammer the over, baby. Hammer the over. This game does scream under though, and those stats certainly back that up. And then, did you have anything for the spread? Uh, well, they said that one for the spread that Nevada is seven and one in their last eight uh, after allowing more than two hundred yards rushing. So there wasn't there wasn't much in regards of spread wise. Yeah. The, the statistics were just very confident in the under. All right, we'll transition to some hoops now. Nevada wrapping up non conference play on Saturday on the road against Utah. It's going to be a crazy Saturday for Nevada fans. And we've got the basketball, basketball game at 11, the football game kicking off at 10-15. The game, unfortunately, the Hoops game, is on the worst channel of all time, being the Pac-12 network. Um, I mentioned this the final non-conference game of the season for Nevada, so here we go. And it's hard to believe we're already at this point in the season, bro, and you were clicking around what's something that we need to know about the Utes. I was looking at historical record between Utah and Nevada. Uh, this will be the 11th meeting between the two schools. And as of right now, I thought I thought this was surprising. But Utah right now holds the series lead 10 games to zero. They are undefeated against the Wolfpack. Mm. But uh, this goes back, though. They haven't played each other since 1987. Um, but, yeah, ready for them to put, a, put one in the loss column. 10-0 against Nevada. 5-0 and at home this year. The Huntsman Center is unbelievably difficult for, for road teams to go in and uh, try to pull out a win. In the last five-plus years, including 5-0 and this year, Utah is 82-12-1 at home. Um, so they are just brutal to beat there at Utah. They haven't been great this year. They're 6-5. and The metrics don't love them. Ken Palm has them at 136. The Rim has them at 135. It's close to a quadrant two game, 
But again, despite the metrics not being great, this is going to be an incredibly tough test for Nevada to go on the road and beat a team they haven't beat ever before and win in an a arena, a venue that just it's it's tough to do for road teams. Yeah, not a very welcoming environment at all. Um, I'm looking at just protecting the ball against Utah. Uh, another big stat they had was they had 16 points off 10 uh, Northern Arizona turnovers in the last game. Um, Nevada, if you're thinking about it, they've, you know, offense has been sluggish, missing a lot of the shots and things have been sloppy. So that'll be one thing definitely. And like you said, also playing in that tougher environment that doesn't help at all. So that's going to be one of the other aspects too, is be looking at Utah to be playing it tight on the ball and trying to force some of those turnovers, get some quick points. It's kind of crazy that at this point in the season, I mean, you have two teams who play in different conferences. I mean, they're the same. They're both on the West Coast and not that far geographically. But they've already they have three common opponents, which is pretty rare unless you're playing in the same tournament. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have Grand Canyon, you have Tulsa, and you have BYU. So Utah played Grand Canyon uh, in California on Thanksgiving and won 75-66. Nevada beat Grand Canyon 74-66. That one was in Phoenix. They both played Tulsa. Utah got Tulsa at home and won 69-64. Nevada played Tulsa in Vegas and won 96-86. Nevada played BYU at home in the opener, 86-70. Utah played BYU. That's a huge rivalry out there. That game was in Salt Lake and lost 74-59. So you have three common opponents. You have two games where the margin of victory was pretty close. Uh, Grand Canyon by... 9 and by 8, Tulsa by 10 and by 5, BYU though, a completely different story, 16 point win and 15 point loss. Yeah, the other part too, I was looking at some of these numbers they put in their previous uh, game and these did not scare me at all was they shot about 50% from the field, they're 29 to 59 they shot 30% 29 to 59, that's about 50% okay. Yeah, close to it uh, 30%, they're about 7 to 23 from the arc, and 79% from the free throw line. I mean, that's obviously a little higher, but it's nothing too special. You know, they're not shooting super high percentage, 30%, you know, behind, you know, from behind three-point line. That's, you know, it's nothing, nothing different than Nevada has either played this, or hasn't played this year. So I think that they'll be able to hold their own just from the way that Utah's shooting the ball. Those are their numbers against Northern Arizona? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just look, clicking around, the Utes are a team, if you look at Ken Palm's numbers, Ken Palm likes Utah's offense, not a huge fan of Utah's defense. Ken Palm has Utah's offense at number 54 in adjusted offense. It has the defense at 246th in the country. So a pretty big disparity there. Um, analytics, predictive analytics, I'm not going to pretend to know how they work, but the offense and defensive <laughs> numbers aren't that dissimilar. Offensive. So we're not a predictive analytics podcast. We're not a. We'll make that. No, we 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 believe in them. We don't know how they come to be still, or what they the mean fa- half the fig- time. Yeah, we're we're still figuring out the factors in the equation. <laughs> so offensively, they score seventy four points per game. Defensively, they allow seventy two points per game. Not a big disparity. Offensively, they shoot forty seven percent from the field. Defensively, they allow opponents to hit fifty six percent of their field goals. Pretty close. Def- off- offensively, they make thirty six percent. 36% of their shots from deep. Defensively, they allow opponents to shoot 36 from deep. So some really close numbers, yet Ken Palm loves the offense and hates the defense. We'll see if that comes to 
fruition, or we can see, I guess, what the reason behind that is on Saturday. Uh, was there anything else? Yeah, I said those three points. Who's your favorite player on the roster? I'm going to butcher uh, this guy's name. I was looking at it, but Both Gash. Uh, I'm going to assume that's how you spell it or say it. He's I, this, this is why I love um, the basketball. I was able to wiggle in a kind of weird body style here. Normally, you know, we keep that with football. But this guy, he's 6'7 and 195 pounds. Whoa. So that is a skinny human. Um, is, is he playing much? Probably not. Uh, no, not a whole lot. He's a freshman. Um, yeah. But I was just putting that in terms. This guy is nine inches taller than me and weighs five pounds more. So... <laughs> You know, I got a little. I, I got some. I got some extra loving. So he's this guy's definitely on the skinnier side. But yeah, he's a wow. four-star recruit coming out of Minnesota. Uh, he committed to Utah after considering. Um, he was offered by San Diego State, Texas Tech, and Oregon. So he's got the potential. And, you know, you got a four-star guy, obviously, but yeah. um, probably won't see a whole lot of him on Saturday. I went with six-four freshman guard Kevin Kramer, 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 Kramer. I'm going with Kramer because the last name when I saw it first, I thought it was Kramer. And as, Ooh, that's a, nice. as a Seinfeld podcast, we can announce that as well. As a Seinfeld podcast, that caught my attention. And then I'm clicking around, and he is from Chico. Chico will forever have a warm spot in my heart. That's where I adopted my dog, Griffey. Um, so I went with Kevin Kramer for those reasons exclusively. I think like I don't need to it's go that much more into it. It's a Festivus miracle. The airing of grievances. It is that time <laughs> of year. Uh, Kevin has not played this year. I would be surprised if we see him on Saturday. And then because we have two basketball games to talk about, we're going to jump into Utah State here next. We're going to kind of shorten our previews. We'll jump straight into predictions here. What do you got going down on Saturday? I got Nevada winning 76-68. 76-68, so an eight-point road yeah. win? That's what I got. And there probably isn't a spread out yet. I haven't clicked around that much. Did you see one? Um, I did not. Last time I looked, I knew yesterday there wouldn't be, and that's when I last took a peek. But if I get my phone real quick, I uh, I I'm still on ESPN, yet. not seeing a spread. Yeah, but they, but Nevada's got an 83 percent chance to win, pretty much. We've been talking about this one for a while. That it's Nevada's last non-conference game. It's they suddenly. I mean, we knew the Mountain West opener was always going to be the next game out, but there's suddenly a big game against a Utah State team that's been a really big surprise this year. It's that weird time of year when it's after Christmas. It's before New Year. It's on the road against a Pac-12 opponent. Utah doesn't lose at home. Nevada has not looked particularly good the last month. Utah 75, Nevada 72. Oh, you hate to hear it. Get it out of the way. Get the one loss out of the way. The undefeated record stuff is going to become tired. It's a loss that ultimately will not look that bad. It's a Pac-12 opponent on the road, despite how bad the Pac-12 is this year. Um, I would not be surprised at all if Nevada goes down. I got to say, you're lucky you're in Vegas, or you might have pitchforks and flames and all sorts of stuff at your doorstep. Yeah, for those who can maybe tell the difference in the audio quality, we are now recording. I'm back in Vegas. Adam's back in Reno, so we time-traveled there between the, the talking about bowl preview and uh, the, the Utah game. So I am down back down in Vegas, but I do think that I, just, I won't be surprised if Nevada trips up. That said, let's get to the Utah, Utah State game, a game that probably ultimately is going to mean more for this Nevada team. It's suddenly a really big game at Lawler. Tip is next Wednesday, so a whole week away 
when we're recording this. We will release next week's podcast right after that game ends. Well, we're going to record right after that game ends. It tips on ESPNU if you're not going. Adam, what's something we need to know about the Aggies? Just going back to the common opponent, well, they also played Arizona State and BYU this year. Mm -hmm. For those who aren't up to date with their schedule, they actually lost to Arizona State by five and got, I'm going to say smoked by BYU. Lost by 16. Lost by 16. uh, Or lost by 15. Nevada, on the other side, for those who don't remember, we beat Arizona State by six and BYU by 16. So huge swing on that game on results. But, yep, common opponents. Right. This is a Utah State team that's been the biggest surprise of the Mountain West this year. I mean, they're picked to finish ninth in the Mountain West preseason poll. They're off to a 9-3 and three start. Ken Palm has them at 50. The Rim has them at 37. This is a Quadrant 2 game. That's nice. Um, good Give army. me those all day. Yeah, no kidding. And it's going to be potentially a Quadrant 1 game when Nevada goes and plays at Utah State. You mentioned the common opponents. And... Utah State's put up some really impressive numbers this year. I think there's legitimate reason to be skeptical about their schedule. It's pretty weak. And their best win is over a St. Mary's team in Vegas at our neutral site. And St. Mary's is down this year. St. Mary's is 8-6. and six. So the numbers are awesome. You can only play the teams that are on your schedule. But there isn't a really marquee victory for this Utah State team. And they have a chance to do that now next Wednesday. Definitely. Um, this is going to be another one. I think this is going to play a big factor with Nevada's shot percentage um, not being very high currently. They're right now, they're the only team in the Mountain West that's carrying a rebounding margin that's in the double digits. They're out-rebounding out their opponents by almost 12 a game, which is sixth in the country. And I was just thinking more into the role that you know Nevada's three points have been borderline I'm not going to say horrific, but they've been not appealing. Not great. great. You know, shooting just in general has been an issue. And for a team that is out-rebounding every team, you know, on average, every team they're playing by a significant amount, that is one of the kind of lines that was more eye-opening and kind of scary to me. They have a few stats that are pretty uh, impressive. The rebounding margin, 11.7. That's strong. Defensively. The field goal percentage they allow, 36.1%, which is nuts. That's third, yeah. that's third in the country. So they are playing that, defense. They're rebounding the basketball, and they're pretty efficient offensively as well. I mean, their, their offensive numbers may be a little bit bloated because their defense has been so good and they give them so many opportunities. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're connecting on f- over 48% of their shots. That's 43rd in the country. So this Utah State team is doing a lot at a high level – early in the season this is going to be their toughest test of the season so far to date though coming to arena yeah oh definitely definitely yeah and then kind of piggying back off that as well with factoring in how poorly nevada's shot is that they've held three of their opponents to their lowest shooting percentages of the year including one of those was saint mary's they held saint mary's to 29 percent and then Northern Iowa to 31%. You cut out. And they held St. Mary's to what percent? St. Mary's to 29%. 29. Northern, I- Northern Iowa to 31%. And then National Powerhouse Alabama State, 20%. 20%. So those are some crazy low shooting percentages. And those are, I mean, 
on that's what I'm going to be looking for on Wednesday is how does Nevada respond to a team that has played some you know some great defense Amazing this year with, defense. With, with 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 the opportunities they've been presented they've capitalized yeah defense is elite for this group again maybe a little bit of an asterisk with the schedule they've played they have one of the best players in the conference mm-hmm. in junior guard Sam Merrill He's second in the conference, averaging 19 points per game, a little over 19 points per game. He can really shoot it, fill it up from deep. Not as effective this year. He's He was shooting 46% collectively his first two years. He's down to 39% this year, but that's still strong. You know Muss's game plan. He's talked about this. We've talked about it on the podcast. His game plan is to take away their best players. So defensively, the game mm-hmm. plan is going to be to key on Merrill and make someone else beat them. Because he he's legit. He can score the basketball. Who's your favorite player on the other roster? I went back to my international well. Diogo Brito, junior, 6'5", 205 pounds. But he is from Povoa de Varzim, Portugal. Mm. Stud international guy. He has been... The last two years, he's been Mountain West Scholar Athletes, uh, athlete of the um, to their list. He's also been on the Academic All Mountain West for 2017 and 2018, and he was on the Whiteside Scholar Athlete list also in 2017-2018. So not only getting it done on the court, but getting it done in the classroom. We finally had a first. We finally picked the same guy for favorite player on the roster. That's where it went. <laughs> I made it a little bit interesting though. So you went with Diogo Brito. I paired uh-huh. it up with him and his teammates. So Diogo is a junior guard. Freshman center, Nemios Cueta. Also from Portugal. The- yeah, I thought there's two guys there from Portugal. Both of them from Portugal. Together, they make up half of the total NCAA college players, college basketball players in the entire country. It's only four. Wait, there's four total players from Portugal playing NCAA oh, college okay, basketball sorry. right now. Half, they, half of four is two. Utah State's got half. They got – yeah. It's quite the market and share. They, and they can both play. Queda, 6'11", 240, big boy. He's averaging 9-8, and eight, shooting 62% from the field. So not taking a lot of jumpers from deep, um, a lot of close mm-hmm. looks. But he's making his – taking advantage of his opportunities. Brito, 6'5", 6-4. He's averaging – and he can shoot it. He's 44% from deep. Not a high-volume guy, 12 of 27. Mm-hmm. But he's taking advantage of his opportunities. What's your prediction? Defense, rebounding, all these things I'm talking about, I still got him edging it out, 74-69. It's going to be another close one. Nevada's struggling offense versus Utah State's elite defense. If they do lose to Utah, Nevada's going to come into that game fired up. They're going to be unbelievably pissed. It's their conference opener. Lawler's going to be bouncing. I got Nevada winning this one, 78-73. Okay, let's jump into some slants. This one's going to be unique to this episode. We'll do just quick Christmas thoughts and New Year's plans. I'll, I'll start this one. Uh, got back from from Woodland last night. Was very depressed. Going to work this morning was not great. <laughs> Rolling out of bed. But it was an awesome Christmas weekend. So, so good to be home always. Seeing some old friends. Uh, I don't think there's anything better than going home for Christmas for, for a few days. And uh, Shop Squad... Drank enough uh, Crown Royal on Christmas Eve night that we did not go to church because I know many people were curious if we had to Uber to church or not. Um, so did not have to go that route. 
Um, what was your favorite gift? Are you going to put me on the spot like that, yeah. huh? Yeah. I'm going to go my white-colored Nevada polo. That thing was sick. That was a pretty, pretty, pretty dope Nike uh, dry fit polo got from uh, mom slash Santa. There you go. Mom and dad slash Santa. What about you? <laughs> I got a few. I got some good stuff this year. I got a lot of books. I got some really nice new shirts. I got this dope shitters full polo Christmas vacation. Got that from you. And then Tara got me a Seahawks golf bag, which is so sick. I'm pumped on that thing. I need a new golf bag, so I'll go that route. Yeah, um, that, was a, that was a sick gift. And then we can kind of change New Year's plans into just weekend plans. I mean, it's on Monday night. Do you know what you're doing yet for yeah. New Year's? Um, no, I was trying to put out a feeler before I even got up to Washington to see what was going on. Um, but my assumption is, is that I will be somewhere running around downtown Reno. No idea where, what location, what area, but, um, if you're running around, you might find me. I bet you there'll be lines and I bet you it'll be cold. Yeah, exactly. The funny thing is I went to bed last night. Uh, I was still obviously still up in Washington last night. And went to bed in my old high school bed and thought about that exact moment was <laughs> I'm going to be in a line. It's going to be 45 minutes to get in. It's going to be cold. You know, I'm going to be pissed. So do you remember that? Do you remember that year that it was like legitimately five degrees at New Year's and we ended up just hanging out at Gold Dust West for like hours? Was it you? Remember that? Who was, who was there? I think Marcus might have showed up too because he always did. But I know that we were definitely there. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about a night, and I just can't remember if it's New Year's or not. But that does start to seem like it's connecting that that was the night. But I mean, Goldust West was the hangout. It was good spot. Come on, come on. Good their spot. Bre- the, the dollar breakfast special or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. Fantastic. Okay, games of the weekend. What What are a couple college games you're looking at? Uh, West Virginia versus Syracuse. Uh, West Virginia 16th right now, Syracuse 20, Syracuse favored by one in the over under 66. And the other one that I like is Florida versus Michigan. Mm. Mich- Michigan's favored by six and the over under is 51. There is nothing more that I would love to see that day than the surrender scorpion Jim Harbaugh on the side as he chokes in another major game. So, Would you say surrender scorpion? You know when people put their hands on top of the head? Yeah, it's surrender, makes... surrender Cobra. Oh, Surrender Cobra, Surrender Scorpion. Come on. <laughs> it's, Chris, it's Christmas. I'll let that slide. I'm, I'm taking that one. I went with the Alamo Bowl, one of them. So you got Iowa State versus Washington State. That one's on Friday at 6 o'clock on ESPN. The Cougs are a three-point favorite. The draw to that one is it's our last chance to see um, – Whatever his name is, Washington State's fifth-year quarterback, Minshew, Minshew. Minshew with Minshew. the mustache, playing Iowa State, which is the only school in the Big 12 that plays any defense at all. So that will be the matchup to watch in that one. And then you know I'm going full homer. The Rolls Bowl, our dogs versus Ohio State. The, or Ohio State is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. That one's on Tuesday, New Year's Day. Not quite the weekend, but I'm counting it. People are going to be surprised. People who haven't watched Washington much this year or at all are going to be surprised by this defense. It's not like Ohio State's offense has been. I mean, they got some dudes, obviously, but they clearly were in a lull for about six weeks of the season. 
So I, I'm I'm confident about the defense. It's the offense I'm worried about. They haven't looked very good all year. It's Jake Browning's last game. Hopefully he can do mm-hmm. something special and deliver a Rose Bowl win. But uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. And the the playoff games, honestly, people are going to say, why aren't you including the, the playoff games? Bama and Oklahoma and Notre Dame Clemson. I think they're both going to be beatdowns. That's a, yep. I had that written down that those are going to be not entertaining football games. Bama is going to win that game by fifty, and I, well, I'm legitimately rooting for Clemson to steamroll Notre Dame. Anytime Notre Dame loses, I'm happy. <laughs> I I'm always sick. I'm always sick of when they're in the conversation because every time they get in the conversation, they just get absolutely smoked, boat raced. So, yeah, yeah I think it's going to be ugly. All right, what about some NFL games you're looking forward to? Um, I got Bears versus Vikings, just because that one plays a factor into who's going to get that final uh, NFC playoff spot. You either got Minnesota or Philadelphia, who's hanging on, the, hanging in there. Yeah. Uh, the Vikings favored by five. Another low over under is forty and a half. Um, the thing to keep in mind is that the Bears might not have their starters go the whole game. They might not start them. They haven't really said a whole lot. So that's why Minnesota's favored by by five right now. And then the other one, uh, AFC South, surprisingly the best division of football. You got the Texans, Colts, and Titans, and uh, yeah, you can throw the Jags in there. But <laughs> they're pretty bad. Yeah. But that's going to be an interesting one. Indianapolis favored by three, over under 44. That game is a that game the winning you're in, lose and go home. So there's going to be that's going to be a hard fought game. I just looked, by the way, the spreads for these playoff games. Clemson is a 12.5-point favorite. Alabama is a 14-point favorite. Nice. Awesome. I went with uh, Browns at Baltimore. So the Browns are eliminated 7-7-1. The Ravens are 9-6 and and 6-point favorites. The Steelers will be watching that one very closely because they have to beat Cincinnati and then hope the Browns can do it. Otherwise, the Pittsburgh Steelers... And all the talent they have are going to miss the playoffs somehow. And you know who's going to laugh the hardest? You. Le'Veon Bell. He <laughs> will love that. I just can't believe we're in a position now where the Steelers are banking on the Browns to do something productive. Right. Normally it'd be like the Browns need to lose. Yeah, it's a lock. They're in. <laughs> Dude, the, Bra- they- the Browns trying to secure a winning record. It's crazy. It's great. I mean, and now you look into it is – Hugh Jackson is just that bad. Yeah, he's terrible. So, he how did he? Terrible. How did he? How how did he make it two and a half years? That's well, the if the Browns, who was the who was the Browns tie against? Was it against the Steelers? I can't remember. Oh, uh, it was it was earlier in the year, but I do not remember who that was against. I don't know. But if, if they win that game, they're eight seven and one, or they're eight and seven. The, the Ravens are 9-6. and six. They win the, against the Ravens. This might be a playoff game, essentially, for them if they can win that game. I know. And they had a didn't they, they had a tie, tie lot, or they got into overtime and lost. They had a, yeah, a couple close mm-hmm. messes early in the season. Let's transition to some Twitter questions. To all you guys who submitted questions this week, you guys are the best. We appreciate you taking some time on your Christmas day to send us some questions. Um, so Blake asks, what's your biggest prediction for 2018? And then Ryan, Law of the Jungle Envy followed up with, I'll piggyback with biggest prediction for 2019. And I think that's what Blake meant. <laughs> uh-huh. So bro, what's your, what's your biggest prediction 
for the coming year. Because this is our last week was our Christmas episode. This is our New Year's episode. So my biggest prediction, I'm bringing it. It's going to be going into March, so we're going to have to wait a little bit. But I got a Nevada versus Duke in the Natty, mm. and I'm saying Caroline is going to drop special Supremes, all the whole mess, all over Zion, <laughs> make him look like an idiot, <laughs> and win the national championship. Nevada cutting down the nets. I had mine was two part. We both went full homer on this. I got Nevada to the final four. So um, give me that. Give me Nevada Final Four. And then we all know that once Nevada season ends, whenever it does, the storyline immediately becomes, what's Must doing? What's he doing? Where's he going? What's he doing? And I don't think that Must is going to come out and definitively say, I'm staying in Reno forever. But I think I'm fairly confident he's going to come back next year. I, I wasn't as confident uh, about three months ago, but mm. the way this thing is going and just seeing the way that he carries himself while he's on social media and the importance of, of family to him. And he just, he's set up in Reno and you get, you get the feeling mm-hmm. that he's, I mean, what, what, at that point, what are you chasing? Especially if you can get to a final four in Reno. The, the part that you can only factor in or the, in my mind is that you're, ch- I mean, I don't think he's a money grub, you know, money grabber, but in Reno, you're, you've set up a program to be how you want. You're already at the, you're already at the, the point where the success is at a national landscape. So I know UCLA is one of these programs people are talking about, but it's, I mean, yeah, you can make something of UCLA, but the fire under your seat is a lot larger than it is in Reno, Nevada. One million dollars in Reno, and say two million dollars in LA isn't really that different when you factor in taxes mm-hmm. and cost of living and all that fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't see Musk leaving nec- exclusively for money. If he were to leave, if he, if he were leaving, he'd going, he's going somewhere because he feels that gives him a better shot at winning a national title. Yeah. I mean, that's it. But like well, I said, how do you, how do you like that 30 minute community university of Nevada where you get stuck on I 405, I 205, I 10, I 36, right. I whatever they got in Los Angeles. Yeah, so I, I got Nevada to the Final Four and, and Mus uh, staying for what would be year number five. Uh, Clark asks, which Mountain West game are you most worried about to spoil Nevada's perfect record? So I just said it. I'm, I'm worried about the Utah game on Saturday. But if I had to rank some or list some conference games at Utah State, now looks incredibly challenging. At San Diego State, we've talked about that on several shows, how tough that place is for Nevada to go in and win. At Fresno, Fresno's looked pretty good this year. At home versus Fresno, at home versus San Diego State, and then at uh, at Utah State, or versus Utah, mm-hmm. versus Utah State. I mean, the game coming up next week. So, I mean, the three games, or the six games against Utah State, San Diego State, and Fresno, certainly UNLV's been a dumpster fire. Did you see they get ran by Bucknell last night? Oh my! Yeah, I saw that last night. They I can't. It was ninety. They stink. Ninety something to seven. I can't remember, yeah, but I just was like, like that is race. embarrassing. They're bad. So bad. They're bad, but you know they'll be. You know they'll get up for Nevada. Yeah, exactly. Uh, fake Matt Mummy. How would Nevada have fared in the FCS playoffs this season? I looked into that a little bit. Ooh. See who who is who is uh you know who survived the bracket and whatnot. Our our eags. 
are in the national title game. Yep, Eagles are in the national championship. I had that. I said if Nevada was thrown in there, interjected, I mean, just in a random spot, I said they would go to the semis and lose. Sure. You got, yep. Sure, we'll go North, with that. North, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, powerhouses. I got a couple friends down here. I don't think, I don't think you've met them. Uh, Jesse, if you're listening, <laughs> shout out. Uh, Eastern Washington grads. Go, going to the – they're going to Frisco. They're going to Frisco. Going to Frisco. Huh? He, was trying to, he was trying to recruit me to go. I'm like, yeah, it would be kind of sick, but uh, not going to pull the trigger on that. We were at the – when we were at the Las Vegas Bowl, um, he, was, he was watching the game on his phone the entire game when they were playing. Come on. I can't remember what they were playing in the semifinal. But they, they ran – I know yeah, that, I, that was I, a boat race. Yeah, I was looking at it a little bit, but – yeah. Blake asks, so Tipsy Elves has a uh, sale 60% off. Which ugly sweater or suit do you recommend? American flag ski jumpsuit. <laughs> Lock it up. I was rocking Tipsy Elves. I was like a f- unofficially sponsored by Tipsy Elves this last week. So we went to Tara's work Christmas party, and my Christmas sweater is dope. It's a beer can dressed up like a Christmas tree, and the star of the Christmas tree slash beer can is a bottle opener. So That's fantastic. I wore that to Tara's work party. I was using it, and it was a massive conversation starter. Everyone loved the sweater. So I would certainly go with the beer bottle, Christmas tree bottle opener. The only thing I, I, you guys, you got to be kind of careful when you're doing it because you don't want to rip it off. So you got to have a little bit of finesse. But I'd certainly recommend that sweater. I love that Tipsy Elves has become like, just with, with Nick now, become like the unofficial sponsor of Reno Sports. <laughs> all over i think it, over. i think it's great and it was funny at the party everyone was like we love tipsy elves we love tipsy elves i'm like you know i had I had one of their dudes on the show what yeah <laughs> give it a listen so that, that was kind of fun blake also asks with this being the last episode of 2018 and your first year of the podcast there's been a lot of firsts favorite episode favorite guest and favorite blooper i'll let you go Favorite blooper was kind of a blunder on our part, uh, not even being close to Lawler's capacity. I can't remember when we were asked that question. We were off by like 6,000, 6,000. I mean, it was It was a before the preseason. We were, there, we were asked what the attendance was going to be for the Washington game. That was uh, we, I, Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. It wasn't very close. We, we, no, uh, we'll, we'll give people the number. People who are who have maybe new to the show, we were trying to remember. Like, I think it's around like 18,000. And... Um, you know we have no shame because we just <laughs> – it is what it is. We said we weren't even close yeah, in capacity. It's, it's, it's out there now. Yeah, it's a little over 11,500 is the actual number. But, yeah, that was a bad one. It wasn't good. And we also – I said my favorite guest was uh, Newth. So Doug Newth being up there. And then the favorite episode is probably the one we recorded in when I was in Brazil. Just because it was kind, of, it was kind of a little scramble to get it set up. You and I had some technical stuff that we were trying to, you know, the sound and the audio, whatever, was all a little messed up. Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a hotel, you know. So I, I thought that one was pretty, you know, across the globe <laughs> too. I thought that was pretty interesting and just kind of in general, that was a, that was a fun recording. Yeah, I'll go with my favorite blooper is nothing specifically. It's just funny now how we, we started back in August how different the show is and how different it feels and how you prepare for it. But I remember that first one 
we weren't we recorded the show and it wasn't even go live for like a week and a half. But I remember being like legitimately nervous before it. I had mm-hmm. a, I had a radio show in Reno for a year and a half, and I was nervous for the podcast. Um, so it, yeah. it, it's fun now to kind of look back on that and, and just think it's fun to just think back how much we've been able to do with the show. And this is already episode number twenty. Um, my favorite episode. I think it was really fun having Bert on. Uh, he, he was mm-hmm. our he was our first guest. Had a fun chat with him. I think really too, uh, getting John Ramey on. Yeah. For, first, I mean, lo- love you, Bert. But first, like real guest, um, in terms of someone being an established media member and someone who would maybe, um, they see his name and maybe jump on the listen to the podcast because yeah. he's on. And John was great. He he's so good at what he does, and so gracious with his time. We're certainly have certainly have John on again. We do have a bit of a special bond, John and I do, because when John got hired after Ryan Radke left, I had John on my show, and it was like the basically unofficially introducing him to the market. It was his first time to speak on the airwaves in Reno, and I was fortunate enough to be the one to put him in that position. So that was a lot of fun mm-hmm. having John on. Favorite. Yeah, I remember that. I yeah. remember that. Favorite guest. It's really hard for me to p- pinpoint one because truly everyone we've had on, like it's, it's been awesome to put out requests. And when people say, yeah, we'll do it. Like you get like a rush. Like, yes. Hell yes. So yes. Yeah, so if someone doesn't think we're a bunch of clowns, well, they probably, oh, I'm, sure, clowns, I'm sure they do. No, I'm sure they still do. want to t- talk to a couple clowns, <laughs> but I mean, getting Chris Murray on, obviously he is the guy when it comes to covering Nevada, Aaron Torres of, of Fox sports radio, uh, maybe the biggest guy from a national standpoint. It was awesome getting him on. Uh, Dougie Fresh get, getting Doug Newth on. Chad Hartley was great. The Mountain West Wire guys. Duke Williams. Uh, Danny Kleppinger. Um, ben Ross. B. Ross this week. It was great hearing from him. So it's hard for me to pinpoint one. Um, but I love the question, Blake, because if this like when I was trying to think think of it, it was fun to kind of reflect on. We, I mean, we've only been around four months, but it feels like a lot longer than that. <laughs> And then uh, Josh asks, and it, uh, what would you give up to be able to watch the entire last season of Game of Thrones tomorrow? We've been movie shamed. We're about to get HBO shamed because I have not seen a single episode of Game of Thrones. No, so I'm that same way. Game of Thrones, one of the shows, it's like you miss the boat. Once you miss the boat, you miss the boat. I've had a number of people tell me, like, you need to watch it, you need to watch it, but it's the se- the seasons are long, the episodes are long, like that that is a massive commitment, and I'm not ready oh, for that kind of commitment. That's a that's a serious binge binge up uh, session, or obviously a lot of sessions if you're going to get through that. You need an s- entire summer. And I and I almost like being the dick that you know everybody starts talking about Game of Thrones, and I'm the guy in the conversation. It's like nope. don't talk to me about it because because I, I have no idea who did what. That said. I would do some illegal things for the third season of Stranger Things to come out right now. I would. I wouldn't be able to go to church for a while. <laughs> you need to go to church for a while. <laughs> I love me some Stranger Things. Um, and that's it for questions this week, you guys. Thank you as always so much for for writing those in. It's so fun hearing from you guys and, and getting to engage with you guys. Uh, doing that. The last slant, random Reno. What do you got? Nevada ranks second in the U.S. 
by number of mountains behind one state only, Alaska. Mm. But it, but it is ahead of California, Montana, and Washington who are next in line. I would so guess Nevada, Colorado maybe would have been in there too. I would have thought. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking Colorado. You know, Montana does have a sneaky amount of mountains. They're a little. Nevada's got a little ahead of them, but. Yeah, I mean, they're second in the entire – and you got the whole Appalachian mountain range on the east side of the state, so yeah. – or east side of the country. Yeah. You know, we should almost include Bert as a guest in this episode too because they can just hear him laughing in the background. He'll, he'll get unofficial yeah, got, guest okay. credit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> His whole family is there, right? That's what's going on? Yep, they got the whole, whole clan. My Random Reno is an oldie but a goodie. Most people know this. I always think it's funny though. Reno 911, not even filmed in Reno. And I actually haven't talked to a ton of people in Reno how they feel about it. I loved Reno 911 when it was on, like watching it back in high school, watching the reruns. Um, Mm -hmm. I just wanted a reference to talk about Reno 911 because it's such a great show. But it it is interesting that it wasn't filmed in Reno. And it it really did Reno's cred uh, no favors. No, not at all. None. Just a bunch of, just a bunch of dorks living in the mountains. <laughs> and that is our show this week. A bunch of dorks living in the mountains. Uh, thank you to all of you who listen every single week. Thank you to our good friend B Ross, Ben Ross, uh, for coming on the show. Love you, dude. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Shop Adam, at Shop Nathan, or at the Reno Slant. If you aren't on Twitter, you can email us slant at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave an iTunes review next week to get in the running for the iTunes review of the week. A huge, huge weekend coming up in in Nevada, or at Nevada. You have the Arizona Bowl on Saturday against Arkansas State. Kicks at 10.15 a.m. on CBS Sports. 45 minutes later, you have Nevada at Utah. Final non-conference game of the year. Tips at 11 a.m. All three people in Reno with the Pac-12 Network will be able to watch that. So that'll be, we'll have to figure something Something out there. And then you know Nevada's Mountain West opener next Wednesday. It's here, baby, against Utah State at Lawler. You'll know we'll be back next week to break that one down as well as the bowl and start looking ahead to 2019. Have a great New Year's, guys. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.